0: Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the story. Hello, everyone. I'm Jack Ricks, I'm joined by Rowan Horncastle, Ollie Marriage, and Ollie Q for another installment in our series of pods called That Time We. Um, and this time around, Rowan's got a little story for us from from the archives. One
1: from the archives, yeah. One
0: from the archive where you um, did just a fairly gentle bit of racing. You know, nothing extreme.
1: Went to Mexico to do it. Yeah, <laughs> tiny bit of uh, not stress, just not stressful. Didn't lose any of my nine lives that I'm <laughs> given, and came back with a full head of grey hair. Uh, the Nora One Thousand, which I would think if you're into. Classic racing or endurance racing, think Le Mans, and then Le Mans Classic, where you have the event, the normal big event that everyone's going to, and then a few weeks later, there is the kind of like vintage homage to it of all the good old cars who used to compete having a crack too.
0: In the the mag, our headline was Big Baja's Little Brother, Mm. which, does that sum it up? That that does
1: sum it up, because it is uh, a bit simpler, because it's done over four days, rather than 24 hours or less, which the big boys do, but basically Baja is this tiny slither of estranged land from California, which, I don't know, history nerd, what's that, Ollie Q? Peninsula. Sure it's peninsula. It's like a peninsula. But it did used to belong to California, I do believe. Yeah, I think it did. Anyway, I'm not very good on the history. Well, I mean to <laughs> say, that will yeah. change hands quite a
2: lot. Let's yeah, yeah. not go there. But it's,
1: uh, <laughs> it's a race from Ensenada down to, um, if you've ever watched the Kardashians, Carbo. Uh, which is where a load of people from L.A. basically go on holiday to um, mm. sit in massive resorts and drink tequila cocktails. Um, Sounds horrible. But mm. the, in between those two, <laughs> is there's a lot of desert, a lot of danger. Um, and as I found out, um, just a book with some notes, uh, which I didn't know how to read, and I was then set to be, tasked to be the navigator.
0: Well, hang on a minute. Let's, let's rewind a little bit. But how did you don't just find yourself in Mexico, about to embark on a, on a sort of cross-desert endurance race. How did it all come about? Did you get a phone call? It, did you chase is, them? Did this they chase is the opposite you? of
1: some other features, which is, you know, you've, you've worked with manufacturers and there's a, a, a bespoke PR route that you're trying to follow and do this. This was very organic and old old school days of uh, just general networking where there was a photographer that we used in LA. He sent Sam Phillip, uh, Top Gear scriptwriter. A text message just saying you've got to meet my producer he's nuts and he races this thing in, in in mexico you should come to a story on it and we'd never heard of the nora at that time is pretty new um because the original mexico 1000 race was by nora and then score international took it over um and then the the son of the original founder um Ed Perlman, who they were basically the, the the way that the race started were they were two stuntmen in L- L.A., went down to Mexico, saw how cool it was. They invited 60 of their mates and said, all put $100 in. First one to finish throws the party and gets the money. And then they just basically bashed down it, and Steve McQueen and others have all had a go in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of taking it back to that celebratory days. But the guy that I was put in touch with was called Michael Skinny Powers, who's a... Uh, and a photographer's real name Michael Powers, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've only just ever called him Skinny, uh, which is weirdly, uh, he's dyslexic and spells it wrong, so it spelt Skiny, but it's with one end, Skinny. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he's an expat uh, British guy who's over there, runs a production company in LA and just races cars on the weekend. And he set up a small kind of collective of called the Gentleman's Guide to Racing, which was going back to he's got no upbringing in motorsport He was a bit fed up of rich kids going into the paddock and having everything he wanted just to go racing on the weekend have a couple of drinks and bring some stories home with him
3: just off-road racing off-road racing yeah yeah. Into,
1: yeah so then he said come and join the team so it was as simple as no <laughs> pr department nothing never met the guy
0: mm.
1: getting on a flight um flew to mexico was picked up at the airport and basically spent the next six days crapping myself because (laughs) I didn't really know the full extent of danger that was involved with the racing. Mm. Um, Ollie had marriage. You'd done the Baja before. I've
3: done the Baja. Yeah, I did the Baja 1000. 1000,
1: which then I think was probably the scariest thing you've done. Yep. Uh, And then I had that going, rolling around my head. Plus the fact that our insurers had to get me a bespoke insurance policy for war reporters from Lloyds of London for me to be able to do it. And then I arrived on the start line to see the, the car that I was initially going to race in. And um, I was met by Robbie Gordon, who is a legend of off-road racing. Mm-hmm. He went to one look at it. I didn't tell the BBC this. Looks at the roll cage. He goes, I wouldn't get in that. Um, because it was from the 1990s and he said, that's probably not safe. So, so then, are you driving? No. Well, initially, yes and no um, because <laughs> it, Skinny's, um organisation is fantastic because it doesn't actually exist. So you never really knew what was going on for the whole time which has added to this <laughs> sense of adventure. Um, so I thought I was driving and then he said, you're navigating. I said, I've never navigated in my life. He said, well, here's the road book and I'd never looked at a rally road book before in the tulip diagrams. I said, what's this one? And there was three exclamation marks. And he said, death. <laughs> I said, really? And he goes, no, actually, that's not even a joke. That It means that there is danger that will cause you to die. Yeah. And
3: Ollie, you racing in the thousands, Baja is a mean place to be, isn't it? It's terrifying, actually, because you're so far away from anything. You're, you're out in the back of beyond. It's There's just rocks and brute the, the landscape does you no favours whatsoever. And certainly for the Baja Thousand, because it has a, it's a massive spectator event in Mexico. Like a, they get like a million and a half people go. It's like, like national holiday, go and watch the Baja. But the the golden rule where you're told when you're doing it is if you see a campfire at night, if you see any spectators, slow down. Because mm-hmm. the reason there's spectators there is because they know something's gonna happen. And either there'll be some obstacle, natural obstacle, or they will create an obstacle for the competitors. So you have people, and you warned about this. You said you, you will find refrigerators buried in the ground. They put ramp on the refrigerator to launch you in the air. They'll put detours in the wrong place, so you end up driving around someone's campfire. Booby traps. It's, they just yeah. dig holes. They just fall in holes. Yeah,
2: this is real life wacky races. Oh, completely nuts! Sabotaging and it's the, the tracks. Well, the
3: reason this race was in Mexico and not in America is because it was, you know, they didn't have the same regulations and laws and everything. The, the lawlessness it of it
1: all is Matt, and Mm. as our insurers found out it's pretty difficult and Mm. then you've just got helicopters following you everywhere which aren't following any sort of aviation rules (laughs) because they're all about 12 foot off the ground above your head and there's power lines that they (laughs) quite often hit um so and i'd never been to that part of mexico before it's got a a, a brilliant vibrancy and color to it and it's just taco stands on the side of the road and people who are encouraging you um But yeah, but for race day, I was in um, a a Nissan. It was actually Nissan won't say much about the truck because it was basically think about the LMP1 of off-road racing from the nineties, where they wanted to design the first computer-aided or computer-designed. Trophy truck. Yeah. So they went for four wheel drive, which no one was doing at the time because mm-hmm. Ollie, as you will know, four wheel drive doesn't work in um, in yeah. Barhawks; it just destroys diffs. Yeah. Uh, they went for really big tires, which were new at the time, and like long suspension travel. It was a very very complex thing, um, and they put a lot of money. I think it was the first million dollar truck that they put development into it. It was mid engined, very very light, um, and I it must have I can't remember what engine was in it, but. It only lasted 300 miles in its whole life of testing and everything. <laughs> How's are going to do
3: a thousand miles? Yeah, that's it. It yes. got to the line and it just died pretty much
1: instantly. Yeah. Who, who
0: owned this? Is this one of Mike's?
1: <laughs> no. Well, then after it failed in the in 1990, the, the, it was such a shameful thing for Nissan to have as part of their heritage. They just threw it in some in the back of a shed in mm. Japan. It yeah. was never mm. seen again. One of Skinny's mates knew, heard about it so he just went over there and bought it just took it out of the shed and I think they were quite glad to get used to it Mm. put a load of money back into trying to make it work and then as we found it day one it was still quite tough no matter (laughs) whether it was 30 years later um, it still doesn't work quite so well but yeah I started off in that and that's where the story kind of changed because I was racing with the Gentleman's Guide to Racing and then when you've got this the car was literally bleeding because we just had this power steering fluid which was just red, mm. just firing into our face, where well, you've got sand every day, what don't know what's mm. going on. The comm system doesn't really work too well. And, yeah, we, we just... The power steering just completely failed, so we had to fix that for the second day. That I thought, oh, mm. I met Robbie Gordon again, and he said, well, why don't you come navigate for me? So on the second day, mm. I was then put into his...
0: Um... Now that you've got such a wealth of experience, Raren, yeah. why don't you come and navigate for me? Yeah, yeah,
1: all right. Because, so, he was in a Class 1 buggy, so... The greatest thing is the spread of cars that you get there. And I think I described it in the story. It's like, honey, I blew up the Tamia factory mixed with Mad Max's prop department. Yeah. You've got everything from, you know, amazing million-quid trophy trucks from mm. the 80s and 90s, which just looking, it's It's like classic Le Mans. When you see the Group C cars, they look cooler than the modern-day prototypes. Yeah. Uh, then you get down to the buggies, which I think you raced in on mm. the bar. BC5 buggy I was in. And then, mm. you've, then you've just got air-cooled... Um, VW Bugs and various other bits and pieces but Robbie Gordon was in this class one buggy which is the kind of perfect middle ground because it's half the weight of a trophy truck, has as much suspension travel but it's just like a pond skate and just goes over the ground and i urge any listener go on youtube now and just type in trophy truck slow-mo suspension Mm. your day is ruined
3: (laughs) it's like a hovercraft isn't it they just go across so mesmerizing you just
1: see them absorbing all the bumps but like the
2: passenger capsule whatever you want to call it it's just say staying like
3: perfectly level so Mm. those bumps are called the whoops that's what they're they're known as. Right. And the only the only thing is they only work for the trophy trucks because anything that's got less suspension travel just ends up kangarooing through those. So you need 36 inches or whatever it is, 30 inches of suspension travel and then you'll glide across the top if you don't have that. So one one I was racing didn't have it, I had like half that, like eighteen inches or something. What you end up doing is just going through, going, bang, 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 bang. And then you go, How long how long does this last for? And you go, A few hundred yards? no, someone goes, No, you're about eighty miles. You're on these for about eighty miles. Oh, and it, no. it just it just breaks you. <laughs> absolutely breaks you. Like for me, old injuries I'd had from years before came back to haunt me. Like, it was just the weirdest thing going. Yep this is strange lucky you're married yeah. to a physiotherapist very lucky. <laughs> very lucky I, I say that, that every weekend but the
0: thing is
1: the, the course is, it's the most messed up way of doing it because surely the trophy trucks with the huge tyres which are just mm. basically paddles that just mm. dig up the whole land they go first so mm. then they make the, the road and the course far worse for everything else with no suspension travel and tiny tyres so as, as Ollie say you have 80 miles of 6 foot tall speed humps so you go over the whole point meanwhile you're sucking in all the dust that you can, you're trapped Mm. in you've got these weird lobster bibs around you uh, and ventilation you can't see anything Um, it's pretty scary but also exhilarating Did did
3: you have to attach the extra pipe? Yes Did Uh, you have the the extra pipe? Yes, so is this something medical? I'm quite worried (laughs) now Special pipe. (laughs) They don't
1: have any service stations while you're racing at the Baja 1000 or the Nora 1000 so they came up with a natty solution where um, you attach a catheter to yourself, mm. and then just run it down the bottom of your race suit, and then into the truck or outside if there's, yeah. it has yeah. some holes in it. Um, so you literally just sit there and piss yourself. Yeah. Um, I
2: thought when you said there are no service stations, I thought you were going to tell me something clever about fuel strategy, about yeah. like in race refueling. <laughs> but no, you're just on about just whittling while you're going along. Right. Yeah, how, yeah. How, yeah,
0: How do you get a soggy sandwich for lunch if there's no service stations? You don't so do I mean, lunch. No, there's, <laughs> don't there's lunch. no lunch. Like you you the we had a,
3: you have an don't air pipe it. in because it's so. Um, hostile because you get so much dust you don't have a windscreen because a windscreen will get smashed e- instantly by rocks so you have a full sort of well you wear a crash helmet but then it has like this gator down below it mm. so sort of you look like a stormtrooper sort of thing the, yeah. where this comes down and then you have pipes coming in one for water so you can drink and another for air so your air comes in through a filter at the back of the car yeah so you can breathe Relatively clean air. So you feel like you're scuba diving sitting in the damn car. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. And then you've got something tight around your Johnson. It's, re- it's really <laughs> slightly <laughs> uncut. Yeah. Oh. But
1: all he was saying about his ventilation system He was in a brand-new race truck. I was going to say, that that sounds
0: like the height of (laughs) sophistication. I was was in a vintage one. Randy had a a straw, (laughs) a paper straw. (laughs) No, but also, I think I could
1: smell the the cigarettes from the guy who last raced it being sucked (laughs) down my lungs so I could breathe. (laughs) Um, But anyway, no, with with, with Robbie's truck, this Class 1, they've got this have you ever seen like the sandrail stuff you see at Glamis those sandrail mm-hmm. trucks with the big engine in the back all this kind of stuff it's kind of that so it's got a very long wheelbase um small wheels at the front big at the rear uh, and it's got no panels so it's like a naked motorbike basically it's got a 6 speed sequential gearbox which is again super useful I, I was in a manual beforehand from an indie car 24 inches of suspension travel 600 horsepower from a big LS motor at the back and then you have Robbie Gordon who is the king of Baja. He literally said to me, "Don't worry about notes. I know this place like the the um, it's my backyard. The race course is fourteen hundred miles long. <laughs> so, but he still did rely I mean, on it's me. It's impressive when someone
0: knows their way around the Nurburgring, isn't it? But, but this just <laughs> blows that out of the water completely.
1: And uh, he said to me, "Ah, oh, um, so you're navigating? I said, "Fine. He said, "You ever done this before? I said, "Yeah, I'm an expert. I did it yesterday.
0: Um, <laughs> and All right, then, Robbie, you're in safe hands. Uh,
1: Beforehand, compared to the to the Nora, um, uh, compared to the uh, sorry the score Baja one thousand, you're allowed to use GPS um, as navigation. So you basically have a very crude, think old Tom Tom in your dash, uh, plus the the road notes. But you have to basically find your location point. So if you wander off, you just have an arrow going left or right, Um, which was very useful because as soon as we we went about three miles off the off the start line all our comms failed, and we had <laughs> an, uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles. To the day. So I couldn't actually speak to Robbie. So I had to just literally mime directions with my arms. <laughs> so I had such cramp at the end. It was just straight left, right, or whatever. Yeah. And um, initially, at the start of the day, he said, oh, don't worry, you can drive um, You know, once we've done the first stage because he was so far behind in the race. But this man, I've never seen red mist like it. Yeah. He's also he's known for a fiery character. There's a rule in the NORA. Um, it is well known in the thousands. You're allowed to bump people
3: out of the way. What? Like, or he explains racing yeah. in, in real yeah, life? Yeah, absolutely. So it happened to me within about five miles of the start because you set off at like minute intervals yeah. to do a thousand mile race, and um, you, you don't really know. You've like first time I've driven the car. I've done like a day's training in it. And you think, well, no one can ever catch me because the dust cloud is colossal. You can't see, you can't see behind me. five miles into the stage, I hear this. I get this tap at the back, and because you, you you get told in the things that if if say if someone comes up behind you, they'll and you don't see them, they'll give you a tap just to let you know to move over. They then didn't say, and they should have said, if they if you don't move over after one tap, they'll really hit you. So yeah, first after five miles, got a little tap. So what's the, where the hell has that come mm-hmm. from? And then. Within about another ten seconds, bang! I got yeah. this, it just literally got crashed into the back of me mm. and pushed me out the way. It's a bigger truck that had had a yeah. And yeah. you just hear so this V eight drone, a really yeah. lazy but angry V eight. These things are massive, like the big ones, and just they just dominate
1: behind you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but in the Nora, because they're all classics and people have put a lot of time renovating them. I, mm. Again, go on Google and just see some of the trucks that take part. There's a rule that you're not allowed to nudge anyone. No one told Robbie that, or they think they did, but he didn't really listen. So we started at the back of the pack, and then we just started sniping off competitors, and then certain people who would get in the way. I've never seen, I've only ever watched those American police chases, like a proper pit maneuver. This guy was just getting in his way, and we were on a slight road section. Just spun him round. Just hit him in the back rear and just spun him round. That was another one done. <laughs> Tick that off. Right, right, we're in 11th place.
0: Keep going. It's just like a computer game, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. 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 But it was, it's it, like yeah. Forza
1: Horizon because also you just fill up at local local Pemex, which is like the p- uh, petrol mm. stations. You're just on the road and then you just go off the race course. You just, you know, local petrol station, fill up the race truck, keep going. Yeah. And yeah. um, I've, it's, it's like when you're with any professional driver who is really good at their craft the way that he could make this car dance, and also just, mm-hmm. you, you get very comfortable because you're like, ah, oh, this can do it. The, 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 the boulders that these cars can hit... You think there's no way. Absolutely no. I'm not sure if you... You know when we do a bit of off and you take a Range Rover or a Defender or something, mm. you do a bit of gravel and you think, oh, God, this is pretty gnarly, isn't it? And then yeah, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. a bit bigger and a bit... At Baja, it's like, right, 130 miles an hour, poof, it doesn't matter what we hit. It mm. should get out of the way. And if you, if you do hit something that doesn't quite work with the suspension, you're then barrel rolling. And they say it's just like a... Well, for the Baja, it's a 20-hour plane crash. It's basically what racing in it is, <laughs> is like. Um... But anyway, we kept on going through and through the pack, we got to the end, we bloody won. <laughs> so and then Robbie Gordon's a god. So all the locals come up to him. They think I'm his prize navigator. <laughs> so they're all asking for signatures. I was yeah. signing iPhones. It was basically I was just vandalising people's property. <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh no!" I was like, "Wow, that's was... I've never had a high quite like it." Yeah. We went and had lovely ceviche by the sea because yeah. he's the king of Baja. So everyone just gets out whatever tuna <laughs> they have, slices it up, and gives it to him. Yeah. And then um, for the next day. Um, or for the final day then I went back into the Nissan truck but for the final day there was a truck um, called the Rippin' Rooster which was owned by a tequila magnate um, there's a lot of people in the off-road racing community Is
0: there any other type of magnate out there?
1: No, well not that he's American <laughs> but it's, they're all they're big Nevada boys because that's where you do the Mint um, 400. 400 and stuff like that too but also the off-road racing there's a lot of casino money coming into it lots, okay. of, lots yeah. of other alcohol money and cigarettes mm-hmm. and various other bits and
0: pieces way laundering it
1: uh, I didn't say that, but uh, the Rip and Rooster was this awesome. This was proper Mad Max, 1957 Chevy Bel Air, 35-inch tires. It had 48 wins behind its uh, on, on its credits, eight championships, and it won nine Baja 1000s. But it looks, it's just a you know, it's it's a 1950s truck that you think, ah, oh, Americana just on massive wheels. When you'd gone from the high tech of the 90s back into that kind of class one trophy truck this was the most uncomfortable car I've ever been in. And it was on the most treacherous legs where it was a coastal path, hairpins, it had no... It was gutless. So I was just absolutely papping myself the whole way. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the best thing about Jim who was driving it is that he had... um, Mariachi band um, race suits, so he looked fantastic. he had a little. Every time I looked over, <laughs> under his, uh, under, underneath his lobster bib, uh, he had a bow tie. So I was like, "The man is safe because he's a <laughs> debonair individual racing me." Yeah, and um, yeah, we got to the, we got to the finish line four days later, and uh, I've never felt such a sense of relief, but also, you know, growth uh, mm. in, in, and confidence in yourself, and also, how the hell did we get away from that? Uh, yeah. Get away with it. And the boys at the Gentleman's Guide to Racing, which is fantastic because they're old school. So they rented Kiss, the, the rock band, yes. tour bus, <laughs> 1980s tour bus. So this maroon Brilliant. and chrome tour bus, which they would barbecue and party from every night. Yeah. So we had that environment. So you just had great people who were all in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Really fun racing, amazing mm-hmm. landscapes, cool cars. I just thought it yeah. was the who's, absolute coolest Who's event. this gentleman yeah. here? Oh.
0: Yes, that
1: is uh, Spanish Tony.
0: Spanish Tony. So he's the gentleman's character in the Guy Ritchie
1: (laughs) film. He's he's the um, uh, gentleman's guide to racing cultural attache. He's seven foot tall. (laughs) He rides a mini moto and just is seen in a safari suit everywhere. He's also the funniest individual you'd ever meet, but he was team sport, but he's he's case in point of you're there to be there with fun individuals and have a good Mm. time, Mm. which is being lost a lot in motorsport. Mm. And this was a very... Fast and loose event, and there was, you know, lawless elements to it, and yeah. not much red tape. They, if you said arm to them, they would just look at you, going, "What?" You know, so it, there's there's not much of a risk assessment, but it also was that magic of kind of like 1960s motorsport. You got a flavour for that in the modern day. Yeah. So, so I like, recommend it to anyone, and you you, you can, you know, you pick up cars inexpensively in America to do it and get involved and they're very very welcoming
0: I should I should also mention as well that in among everything that Rowan's been talking about here he was also taking photos because Rowan has this (laughs) sideline in uh automotive photography as well so so the 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 images are are fantastic from this I'm it's taking me back what year was this Mm. in
2: I can't remember. 2016. Yeah, 20 years, 20 years. 2016. June
1: 2016
0: issue. I still can't quite get my head around how you were navigating these cars, then jumping out, then taking a picture of them. I and do then... actually
1: think on the third day I may have taken the afternoon off just to take some pictures because yeah. I feel a bit guilty that I'm having this amazing story, but <laughs> no one's going to believe it. Everyone's so going to so yeah, yeah, take pictures. I just yeah. can't believe
2: that you have a 100% record at the bar half. you turned up and won it. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you're, you're one for one. Yeah, of that stay on that day. Because they yeah. said, "What did he do the next day?" I oh, was taking photos. So, uh,
0: yeah. but that, oh, was that won- stage that you won that stage. That won that stage. No, no um, we won
1: the day. No, yeah. we won yeah, multiple yeah. stages, but we won that day.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah. But the goal so to- the, even within the day, it's divided into different stages. Is it? Yeah. For yeah, that? yeah. Broken. Okay. Up. Yeah. So, so it's cause not- the, Whereas the bar half Thousand is literally it starts in Ensenada and you do, the clock does not stop until you get to Calvo San Lucas. Yeah. yeah. It's a thousand miles. Yeah. Go. And wow. it actually it took uh, took our car nearly four days to do that because because of, <laughs> <laughs> of accidents and incidents. We had our, the, the the story for me was quite interesting in that we it was sponsored by Monster Energy, who had decided what they wanted to do for their athletes who had hit whatever targets they'd had to do that year. They were going to do this for them as a treat. So they had it was like wakeboarders, mountain bikers, skiers, all these guys. So I think we have five cars. Um, but they had an extra car, so we—I got the call to go and to, to go and ha- take the extra car. And they said, well, co-driver?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I, I, I don't know." They said, "Well, you've got a photographer. Long. Do you want your photographer to be a co-driver?" Mm-hmm. And in a very sar- <laughs> foolish moment, I went, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea." <laughs> and Justin Layton, if he's listening to this, I am very sorry for what <laughs> I did to you <laughs> over the course of those hours because it was so brutal. Yeah. But we had we shared the car with another. With another um, pair, and they had an absolute nightmare when they took the car over. The so we did like the first four hundred miles; they did the next four hundred, and then we finished. But they had an absolute nightmare. They managed to drive off a cliff um, and bend the chassis, but it was still drivable. They, but they, the power steering rack leaked, so they had to stop every so often do that. They then got into um, some really soft silt, and they, in that, they managed to collide with a motorbike, and they broke the motorbike's guy's ankle in that collision so they had to stop and wait for him to get medical assistance they then did something else to it it just it became one of those things but that is that is not unusual that is just what happens when you're out there but there was times when i was driving it let through the night, and you've got these spooky cactuses, and you've got all the your amazing lights on the roof, just lighting everything up. And you've got these cactuses flicking at you out of the out of the night, and it just feels like outrun video game. You're just driving through yeah. it, and it you just think, oh my god, this is magical. And you start to build a bit of a flow with the car and everything, and the terrain slightly gentler, and not trying to murder you all the time. That <laughs> it is. It was. It's just one of those amazing experiences. I'll never forget it. But in a way, I was quite glad to have survived it. Yeah. Would you do it again? Yeah, I would, but only because it's now been 10 years and my body has forgiven me slightly. (laughs) It was uh, the most brutal physical thing I've ever done. Right, would you go back?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would. And as Ollie's, I think an element of mine compared to Ollie's was that there was a lot of maintenance that needed to be done on the car. I can't remember what the name of um, Mexican kind of scrap heaps are, Mm -hmm. everything's in there. And the problems yeah. we were having with the Nissan were huge. And there was this amazing moment, which I don't think would happen anywhere else, where we were on the side of the road. The whole thing was just, there was no fluids. It was the end of the race. Last day was never going to cross the line. And then a man who was literally Jesus. He looked like Jesus. And we just heard this noise come over the um, over the horizon. And it was Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon. And then this El Camino, so he goes, do you need a hand? And we're like, no, it's just, car's broken. It's he goes, let me have a look rings a couple of mates, finds this tiny part. He's like, that power steering pump, that's the same that's in a GM, blah, 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 blah. Goes to a scrap He picks one up, fits the car, fills it back up with fluid and then gets it across the finish line. And it's moments like that that you just yeah, can't, yeah. you can't get elsewhere. Mm. So yeah, I would definitely, i definitely do it again. I don't think it's one of those events which is yet to be corrupted by the commercial element mm. and people have seen it as a success. It's a really quite niche thing. And yeah. there are, if you are American, Go have a look at some um, off-road events and side-by-side. We're, we're, I'm just completely envious of what you guys can do mm. with, with the landscape that we can't get here because they are these amazing small events mm. which can be part of, and there's a really cool community spirit. And Skinny's a great friend of mine now. Never knew him beforehand, and then uh, I'm off to his wedding next year. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the wedding car will be.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully you'll get there. Well, Q, I think you and I are next.
2: Um, what to just, lose our off-road well, racing cherry? Yeah, I, absolutely. It sound, yeah. I mean, it sounds incredible, but you've not sold it to me, chaps. It sounds like the most brutal thing. And like mm-hmm. when Rowan was talking earlier about Le Mans Classic, which I think is one of the great, like, unsung events mm-hmm. in all of like the motoring kingdom. You know, because you just get all these legends all out. You know, sort of on a reunion tour. But at least you know, they're not really swapping paint. They're, there's not a huge amount of jeopardy. But here, I mean, looking at the photos in this feature and just the the heat, the dust, the refrigerators and washing machines that might be lying <laughs> around, it just sounds it absolutely lives off jeopardy, suicidal. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing you can't what get away I, from yeah.
0: it. Well, I like. I think if you if you sit, if we sit here and and you think about it too much, you just wouldn't do it because it's just the the, the complexities. Mm. Or how I think you you described mm. when you turned up. There are no logistics. It's just like you want to jump in that car, jump in it and and go. Um, and I quite like that. I think you if you overthink it as you say oh well I've got a bit of a bad back or you know this is mine or, oh my asthma might play you know <laughs> you just got to put yourself in there stick mm. your hand up mm. jump in the car and suddenly you're 2 miles into a 400 mile stage and uh, you got no choice Well also <laughs> the, the most
1: sobering thing to do is uh, well what you have to do is you have to tape your passport to your chest before you get in the race <laughs> under your racing get there because if you have a massive shunt it's easier to medivac you, helicopter you back to the US to get medical assistance there than do it in Mexico. Yeah. So you're there. Do you, <laughs> and yeah, if, you've got a hairy chest. It'll be a nightmare for you. I was going to say, like, yeah, you, don't a, <laughs> you don't want any problems there. But uh, yeah. But that, before you, you, you're crapping yourself anyway. And then yeah. you're like, all right, I just got to you know put some my passport to my chest and just pray for it. So yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. things you do for a feature as a slice of real life yeah you only gave it six pages (laughs) no you gave it oh I
0: remember that you're a bit like well that was back in the day when the front end of the magazine was called intake and and we had a a sort of intake feature each month how many pages did we give it one one one, two Three, four,
2: five, six,
1: seven. I mean, come on, that was got worth
2: it. No, eight no, eight. it's a
0: single opener as well. Eight,
1: eight pages,
2: How's eight that? pages
0: before <laughs> eight, we did all that stuff. Eight pages for all that pain. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it's been half an hour in a podcast. So it's all brilliant. <laughs> <funny. laughs> it we
0: we, we it. We've topped it up.
1: It will live
2: forever um, online.
0: That yeah. was amazing. I'm really jealous. <laughs> I now want to go and have you? some sort. Of... I'm not. I am.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I'm impressed. I, I would take my metaphorical hat off to you, but that sounds like the most brutal motoring
0: experience. All right, I'll take the next ticket. All right. I'll take the next one. Um, okay. Anything else?
1: Yeah, that's all good. I think I'm out.
0: That's it. I think Rowan needs a lie down. He's reliving it or I can see it in his eyes. Exactly. Um, but she well, knows um, the
1: food poisoning from the... <laughs> from the one da- rule. <laughs> don't drink, uh, don't um, drink any of the water in Mexico. Did the full week of it. Then we got elation. We had a little party afterwards. Ice cube. Ice cubes. Oh,
0: the ice cube will get you. <sighs> or For dirty straws. four days straws. ruined. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. use a straw that's, um, that you don't unwrap yourself. <laughs> Because it could have been sitting there for a long time. Okay, thank you. Top Gears, top travel tips. Join us <laughs> next week no, no. Uh, Tata thanks for- from the Baja. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> I can't get a better sign off than that. It's tata from the Baja. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.